Welcome to Weekly Homilies. Each week we present a homily by Father Mark Suslanko, pastor of the community of Saints Isidore and Maria in beautiful Glastonbury, Connecticut. These are introduced by myself, Jonathan Sozek, director of our community's Faith Formation Office. For more about Father Mark and the life of our community, please head over to isadoreandmaria.org. Today, we present Season 2, Episode 9 of this podcast. We'll hear Father Mark's homily from February 17th, 2019, the sixth Sunday in Ordinary Time, Year C. The Gospel for this week is Luke, Chapter 6, Verses 17 and 20 through 26. Let's listen now to that reading, then hear Father Mark's response. A reading from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus came down with the twelve and stood on a stretch of level ground with a great crowd of his disciples and a large number of the people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon. And raising his eyes toward his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are now hungry, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who are now weeping, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude and insult you and denounce your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice and leap for joy on that day. Behold, your reward will be great in heaven, for their ancestors treated the prophets in the same way. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are filled now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will grieve and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for their ancestors treated the false prophets in this way. The Gospel of the Lord. There's a word that we use quite often in our daily vocabulary that because it's used so much can run the risk of being misunderstood. And the word is hope. Hope. Think of how many times during the course of the day we use the word hope. A student in school can find themselves saying, I hope I pass my exam. I hope I have enough time to get the assignment done. Someone working can say, I hope I have a job tomorrow to come back to. Or a younger person can say, I hope I find a career that will be sustainable. And I hope that I find someone with whom I can start a family. I hope that I will be healthy. I hope that I can get over this illness quickly. I hope spring comes soon. With all of these hopes in our lives, it becomes very evident that as human beings, we cannot function without hope. If we don't have a sense that tomorrow can possibly be better than today, then we can easily fall into despair and hopelessness. And when that happens, it decreases our ability to function and be the person that God created us to be. It also robs us of our happiness. So hope is essential to what it means to be a human being. 
Now, Pope Benedict, in his encyclical, Saved in Hope, kind of details this all out and gives us a clear picture of what hope really is all about. And part of the problem is, is we don't often connect the dots with hope. And we get stuck on our earthly hopes, our security hopes, our daily hopes. And these greater or lesser hopes that are a part of our lives are necessary and important. And as I said, we can't live without them, but they're not the end of the story either. Because as a believer, as a human being, we are orientated to an even greater hope, the great hope itself, which is God. And so all of these other impulses and desires and hopes that we have on a daily basis are all connected to that greater hope of God, God's kingdom. And so we begin to see that we are on this journey of becoming who God created us to be, that there is within us an insatiable desire for more, for better, for deeper, and for the eternal. You know, one of the interesting things about our earthly hopes is they're always short-lived. You know, if I say to myself, I hope I can find another job, while I'm hoping for that job, you can feel the angst and the desire to obtain that goal. And then once that one is obtained and we have the secure job, well, then we're on to something else and we realize now we're being compelled to do something else and we find ourselves hoping for something in addition to that. And so there is always this incompleteness. There's always this desire for more. There's always this anxiety that human beings wrestle with. And we begin to realize, if we listen closely to this, that it's an anxiety that we cannot solve ourselves. And this is the key to understanding the great hope. It's an anxiety and a depth that we cannot fill ourselves. Only one person can, God. And we're always going to be restless until we realize that until we're connected to the God source then we are not going to be able to be our fullest selves either. That we're only complete when we finally rest in God and achieve that goal of the kingdom of God and heaven itself. This is why when Jesus preached the Beatitudes, whether we listen to Luke's as we did today or whether we listen to the version that Matthew puts before us, they both orientate us in the same place He says to the poor, he says to the hungry, he says to those who are weeping, he says to those who are insulted, life is difficult for you now, but in the kingdom of heaven, it will get better and you will get your reward. You will get your reward. The tables will be turned. And what really is happening as we listen to those words of sacred scripture, Jesus is encouraging those people who are poor, who are hungry, who have been insulted and who are weeping to connect with that greater hope within. And because they're coming from a place of nothingness, it's easier to realize the something for which they are really hardwired and desiring. But then he looks to those who have all those things, the rich and the ones who have the consolations and the ones who have the place and status in society and have all the creature comforts. 
And he says, woe to you. Because what he's saying in essence, you place your hope in the world. And it's from the world that you get your satisfaction. Well, if you think that's going to pan out in the end for you and it's going to make you as happy as you desire, well, then think twice. Because if you put all your eggs in that secular basket, you're going to end up very disappointed. Very disappointed. As we do. You know, we can get all of our earthly stuff in order, and at the end of the day, I'm still not happy. Still not happy. And so with the kingdom of God... He says to these folks, you're going to get your reward in heaven. But what is this kingdom of God really all about? How do we access it? How do we understand? Well, we understand it eternally as that time when God's kingdom, eventually when this world ends and heaven becomes all there is, or that we make the journey ourselves to heaven one day, that we will enter into this fullness of life that we don't experience here, that we will experience a depth of happiness and joy that we don't experience here. Well, is this kingdom of God just something for the future? Is it something that is out there, kind of even beyond my grasp right now? No, it's not. No, it's not. Because the kingdom of God is accessible here. It's accessible here. It's not something that we just have to wait for. And it's accessible here when we do two things. Do two things. When we love God, when we love God, And then when we allow ourselves to be transformed by God's love. So two things. When I love God, and then when I allow myself to be transformed by God's love, the kingdom of God becomes available to me here. Because I realize that my hopes aren't things that I have to achieve out there. The great hope, which is God, who is God, is something that is obtainable in here. It's a quality of my soul quality of my soul. So as I fill up with the love of God and a sense of God's love in here and give that love back to God in return, then I begin to participate in a very real way with this great hope. And I carry that above and beyond all my other hopes that I have as a part of the journey of my life. But it brings me to a place of security, a place where I feel peaceful, a place where I have a sense of purpose where I have a sense of well-being. And then when that happens, something more amazing even is discovered. And the real meaning of the Beatitudes becomes real for us. You see, when Jesus says the kingdom of God, it will be yours to the poor, to the hungry, to those who weep, to those who are insulted. Well, if we are people who understand the great hope, if we understand who we really are, and we understand God's transforming love, then we're not going to keep that to ourselves, are we? It's going to compel us to then work for justice. It's going to compel us to change the way we conduct the business of our lives. And so that the ministry of the church, the ministry of the church now, becomes a response to the poor, to the hungry, to those who are insulted, to those who weep. We are called to help folks who are more vulnerable, who don't have what we have, to find a better station and place in life. And the miracle of that can happen once we allow ourselves to be transformed so that we can then transform others. You see, the key here for the believer 
is to look at the face of Jesus long enough so that we begin to see things like Jesus sees them. To see things like Jesus sees them. It's not enough just to worship him. Not enough. He wants us to follow him, which we heard in a gospel last week. Follow him. And so as folks who are believers in the kingdom of God as the great hope, that God is the great hope of all human desire, that it is he alone that can fulfill any longing of a human heart, as we understand that, may we continue to pray that we will allow ourselves to be transformed, to work for justice, so that as a church, the ministry to the poor, to the hungry, to those who weep, to those who are insulted, and to those who are vulnerable and marginalized in any way, will be something that is always in the forefront of our minds and hearts. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.